Welcome to another installment of Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ. This is the channel that compares what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. So uh, I've been talking about the Wolf Pack. That's Isaiah Saldivar, Vladchuk. That's what I'm calling him. Uh, Signorelli, uh, yeah, the, and uh, and uh, Alexander Pagani and Locke and uh, and all the Demon Slayers and all those people. They've got a movie coming out. You know, the Domino, uh, the Domino Revival. I've called it the uh, the Wolf Pack Rebellion. But uh, let me kind of point this out. This episode is dedicated to pointing out something about these guys, and that is, is that the word is getting out about the demon slayers, that their deliverance ministry isn't working. Of course it's not working because nowhere in scripture are we advised to cast demons out of Christians. Instead, we're instructed by God through the Bible to mortify our sinful flesh by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, it's uh, and so sexual sins and idolatry and all this other kind of stuff. These are sins of the flesh. And the reason why Christians struggle with them is because we still have a sinful flesh. I recently taught on this in depth on the, uh, the episode that w where we debunked Alexander Pagani's teaching regarding um, generational curses. So if you haven't seen that, you might want to watch that episode when you're finished here. But like I said, the words getting out, there are people starting to grumble and they're saying, Things like, oh, I've been to Isaiah Saldivar's deliverance ministry. He cast demons out of me, but it's 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 not working. And so they're getting wind of the people who are grumbling against their ministries and saying their their demon slaying you know smoke and light show isn't actually doing anything because it's not. It's just a demon-slaying smoke and light show. It's all it's spiritual theater, if you would. It isn't really a, a, a real thing. So that being the case, do you want to know what these guys say to those who are saying that, hey, I had a demon cast out of me, or I, I went to your deliverance thing, and I'm still having problems with these sins? Wait till you see it. It's breathtaking. We'll throw in a little extra teaching on top of it about what true biblical repentance is. But when you hear the absolute arrogance and heartlessness of these so-called demon slayers, hopefully you'll see them for what they are. So let's uh, whirl up the desktop, shall we? All right. And uh, let's do this. I'm going to open up my browser. So uh, this, I mean, this was fairly recently. This is a couple months ago on Mike Signorelli's uh, YouTube channel. He uh, he invited Vlad Chuck and Isaiah Saldivar to New York City to sit in their YouTube studio so that they can talk about what is blocking my breakthrough, okay? And why is it necessary for them to do an episode about what's blocking my breakthrough? So this is code talk, okay? Breakthrough means I've received complete deliverance from God, from demons and stuff and thingies, and uh, and now I'm able to walk in obedience and victory. You know, stuff like that, right? Well, the reason why they're having to do this is because people are saying, hey, I've been to Isaiah Saldivar's thingy, and, uh, and I'm still struggling with sin. Okay, listen to how this is set up. It's it, This is horrifying. Now, this is going to be 
a very transparent conversation mm-hmm. because I've got two people that I trust. Your guys as yeah, it's Vlad Chuck and uh, Isaiah Seldovar. Wisdom, your experience. So I want to go there, like no filter. And I'll, mm-hmm. I've got all my strikes reserved for this broadcast. Come so on. Just <laughs> Are you going to carry the guideline strikes? Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. going to say what we want to say. Sorry, I Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> sorry, Susan Washakaji. We don't know what your last name is, but sorry, YouTube CEO. Yeah. We're just going to tell it how it is. Yeah, because the, the number one thing is I've heard people say, oh, I've went to an Isaiah Saldivar event and I got partially delivered. Mm. Okay, there's the setup. Why would anyone go to an Isaiah Saldivar event and have demons cast out of them by Isaiah Saldivar and say, well, I was only partially delivered? It didn't work. You want to know why? Because it's not a biblical practice. Demon slaying isn't a thing. Okay, at least not the way they're doing it. If you are truly a Christian, you have God the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of you, and we are instructed in Romans 8 to put to death the deeds of our sinful flesh by the power of the Spirit. Okay, if there was ever a passage that would have opened up the door to generational curses or the idea of um, of of Christians being possessed by demons, it would be Romans seven and eight. The things I don't want to do, I do. The Apostle Paul says, "The things I don't want to do, I keep on doing." Right. So, uh, yeah, read the passage. And I, like I said, I recently taught on this on the Alexander Pagani takedown video that we just put out uh, recently where he talks about um, uh, generational curses. You know, if there was ever a passage that you know, would have opened itself up to, you know, casting out demons out of Christians and generational curses being broken, it would be that section, Romans 7 and 8. But it's not. Instead, it's by the power of the Spirit that we put to death the deeds of the flesh which requires us to ask God the Holy Spirit to help us with those things. So this is the setup for this episode. Why are they having to do this? Because people are grumbling, going, nothing ever happened, man. Well, watch what they do. And I've been like rebuking people saying, yeah, that's not Isaiah's fault. You partially repented. Mm, so wow. you, you was a partial repentance wow. is a partial breakthrough. Mm-hmm. Not, I have all power to cast out any demon. Mm-hmm. It's not the power of Christ isn't limited through me. It's uh, your repentance was limited, you, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So So you were only partially delivered. Why? Because you only partially repented. It's your fault. Because Isaiah Saldivar has all power to cast out demons and stuff. And so if you were only partially delivered and you only received partial breakthrough, it's because you only partially repented. Wow. That's, That's just heartless. This shows you the true what these true these guys are they're wolves they care nothing absolutely nothing about Christ's sheep not for real no not at all yeah i rebuke you because you your your partial breakthrough was par- because of your partial repentance which shows they don't even know what repentance is by the way okay and by the way there's a lot of confusion as to what repentance is when we talk about real biblical repentance what does it look like okay so here's where we're going to spend a little bit of time a little bit of time and we're going to look at several instances of repentances that, uh, that weren't complete and what a real repentance legitimately looks like, okay? So here, we're going to start with Saul, the first king of Israel. Saul, the first king of Israel, he was confronted with his sin and he didn't repent. So let me tell you what the two things are that constitute real biblical repentance. Number one, true sorrow for sin. 
and I mean that, le legitimate sorrow over your sin, where you recognize that you are at fault, that God is in the right, and that you have done evil and you've done wrong. That's part of it. So that's the change of mind part of it. But true biblical repentance has a second component of it, and that's confidence in God's mercy, that he will forgive you of your sins. And as Christians, we recognize that forgiveness comes from Christ. So it's not true repentance if it's missing one of those components, okay? And I'll show you this from the, from the biblical text. So we're going to start with uh, 1 Samuel chapter 13, and, uh, and Saul, the king of Israel, has been waiting for seven days for Samuel to show up and to offer the sacrifice before he goes uh, to battle against the, uh, the, I think, the Philistines. So here's what the text says. So Saul waited seven days the time appointed by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, bring the burnt offerings here to me and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. And as soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him and greet him. And Samuel said to him, what have you done? He said, well, when I saw that the people were scattering from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines had mustered at Michmash, I said, now to the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal. I have not sought the favor of Yahweh. So I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. No, no Samuel gave him an opportunity to confess his sin. What have you done? And so what does he do? He piously says, oh, well, I, I, I forced myself to offer the sacrifice. The scripture forbids you from offering the sacrifice. You're not a Levite. You're not a priest, King Saul. You are not to be offering sacrifices. And so note here, he tries to make it look like he's the victim or whatever. Is he sorry for his sin? Not even close. Not even close to sorry. And so, uh, so he says, I forced myself to offer the burnt offering. Samuel said, you, you've done foolishly. You've not kept the command of Yahweh your God with which he commanded you. For then Yahweh would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. Yahweh has sought out a man after his own heart. And Yahweh has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what Yahweh commanded you. And then there's another instance where God commands him to go and to destroy, you know, to put everybody to death, and, you know, to, to total destruction, a particular town, and he doesn't do it. Um, in fact, it's, I think it's like in the next couple of chapters here. Now it's Jonathan. Let's see here. 15. Yeah. So next, let me, let me read part of this out. So Samuel said to Saul, Yahweh sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now, therefore, listen to the words of Yahweh. Thus says Yahweh of hosts, Savah is army, so Yahweh of armies. I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Samuel summoned the people and numbered them at Telaim, 200,000 men on foot and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, go depart, go down from the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For uh, you showed kindness to the people of Israel when they came out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive. God told him to kill him. 
to put him to the sword, and then devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag, and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fattened calves, and of the lambs, and all that was good, and he would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction. Has he obeyed God? Nope. He's absolutely rebelled against the word of the Lord. So the word of Yahweh came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me, has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry, and he cried to Yahweh all night. And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, and it was, and it was told Samuel, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a monument for himself, and turned and passed on and went down to Gilgal. So Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to Yahweh, I have performed the commandment of Yahweh. No, you haven't, right? So Samuel said, then, what then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? Saul, you've done bad, right? That's kind of the point. So what is this bleeding of sheep in my ears and the lowing of oxen that I hear? So Saul said, well, well uh, they, they brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to Yahweh, your God. And the rest, well, we've devoted them to destruction. So then Samuel said to Saul, stop. I will tell you what Yahweh said to me this night. And he said to him, speak. Samuel said, though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord Yahweh anointed you king over Israel, and Yahweh sent you on a mission and said, Go devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of Yahweh? He didn't, by the way, straight up. Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of Yahweh? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of Yahweh. Is he sorry for his sin? He's not even admitting he's done anything wrong. Is this repentance? Nope, not even close, right? So Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of Yahweh. I've gone on the mission in which Yahweh sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the, the people, the, it's the people. They took the spoil, the sheep, the oxen, and the best of the things devoted to destruction to sacrifice to Yahweh, your God, in Gilgal. And Samuel said, has Yahweh as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of Yahweh? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination and presumption is, is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of Yahweh, he has rejected you from being king. So Saul said to Samuel, oh, I've sinned. I have transgressed the commandment of Yahweh and your words be, uh, because I feared the people and I obeyed their voice. Yeah, yeah, that's the ticket. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I disobeyed because they made me do it. Is that repentance? Is that sorrow for sin at all? Not at all. Right? So now, therefore, please pardon my sin because I, I, I listen to them. And return with me that I may bow before Yahweh. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you. You have rejected the word of Yahweh, and Yahweh has rejected you from being king over Israel. So 
Saul is a great example of non-repentance at all, being confronted with hard factual evidence. He, he almost sounds like a narcissist, deflecting and projecting and finding ways to blame everybody else for all his sins and, and then make it sound like his, he's a victim and that, he's, and that he pious and he's really pious. Well, well we, we spared the animals because we're going to sacrifice, right? But that's not repentance, Okay. So when we talk about repentance, again, two things. One, true sorrow, contrition, owning of your sin. Two, trusting in God's mercy that he forgives even your sin. Repentance involves both parts. Now, second person to consider in this regard. <laughs> I forgot about that. So, so apparently... <laughs> I just saw the balloons. Uh, so uh, in, in, the, in the new uh, Apple oh, uh, and, and Macintosh oh, uh, operating system upgrade, they put some new features with video features. Apparently, there's there's things. So I, I forget what I did. It was, it was there. We go. I, if I do that, I get <laughs> I get balloons. I have to learn the other hand gestures. That's kind of cool. I'm just wondering now, have I, have I triggered any of these things without even knowing it? Because maybe I have. All right, next person that we're going to consider is Judas, okay? Um, so Judas, he legitimately laments his sin, and he's seeking mercy, okay? But he doesn't have any confidence that Christ will forgive him. So watch what happens in Matthew 27. When Judas, his betrayer, this is Jesus' betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind. Okay, so he legitimately um, like realized what he had done was evil and wrong. And so he brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. Now, uh, the, the priests are supposed to do what when somebody has sinned? Offer, you know, they, he's supposed to offer a sacrifice, and then there's supposed to be forgiveness of sins. But here's the thing. When the priests are the ones who've conspired with you to murder Jesus— they're not going to they're not they're not going to do their, jet, their 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 job at all right so uh, he, he took he took back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and the elders saying i have sinned by betraying innocent blood that is true he has true remorse and lament over his sin and he's confessing it properly but that's not biblical repentance because it involves two things lament over sin and confidence in God's mercy to forgive you. So they said, well, what is this to us? See to it yourself. So throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. His death cannot atone for his sin. Christ's death is the only thing that can atone for his sin. And so he despairs of the mercy of God. He recognizes his sin, confesses it, changed his mind, but he still doesn't trust that God can forgive him. As a result of it, he's lost. He's missing the second component of true biblical repentance. Now, next person to consider in this regard is King David. This is a fellow who exemplifies both aspects of true biblical repentance, remorse for sin and confidence in God's grace. You'll see it here. So I won't go through the entire account of David committing adultery with Bathsheba and then murdering her husband and then marrying Bathsheba after he murdered her husband. Okay, we'll start in um, 
chapter 12, where God sends Nathan the prophet. This is the most interesting bit. So Yahweh sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, well, there were two men in a certain city, one rich and the other poor. Uh, the rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, which he had brought. And he brought it up, and it grew up with him and with his children. It used to eat of his morsels and drink from his cup and lie in his arms, and it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guest who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. And then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, as Yahweh lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel, I anointed you the king over Israel. I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. Why? Why have you despised the word of Yahweh to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife, and you have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says Yahweh, behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he will lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all of Israel and before the sun. Here's David's response. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against Yahweh. That's it. He owned it. I have sinned against Yahweh. Now, important text. 1 John chapter 1. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him, God, out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. David owns his sin. He says, I have sinned against Yahweh. He doesn't blame anybody else. And the sentence is full stop. Yep, I've done that. And Nathan says to David, Yahweh also has put away your sin and you shall not die. He receives an absolution. And the story continues even better, by the way. In Psalm 51, we get the rest of the story and we can see what David is actually thinking. Sorry, Psalm 51. So this was written, listen to what it says, to the choir master, Psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. And here's David's prayer. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love and according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I, mo I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. 
Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. And behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. And then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. David not only owned his sin and lamented that he committed it, he trusted in God's mercy. He had both aspects of real repentance. And you'll note then that here's the tragedy of what it is that we're seeing here. And I'm going to back this up so that you can hear this again. These men sound exactly like the chief priests when Judas came to them with his 30 pieces of silver. Listen again. I'll back this up because it starts right off the bat. Now, this is going to be a very transparent conversation mm -hmm. because I've got two people that I trust, your guys' wisdom, your experience. So I want to go there like no filter. And I'll, mm -hmm. I've got all my strikes reserved for this broadcast. Come so on. Just go. <laughs> Are you talking about the community guideline strikes? Yeah, yeah. We're going to yeah. say what we want to say. Sorry, I Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> sorry, Susan Washakaji. We don't know what your last name is, but sorry, YouTube CEO. Yeah. We're just going to tell it how it is. Yeah, because the, the number one thing is I've heard people say, oh, I've went to an Isaiah Saldivar event and I got partially delivered. Mm. And I... And the reason for that is because deliverance is not a, a Christian practice. Christians don't need demons cast out of them. They need the power of the Holy Spirit to help them mortify their sinful flesh. So what's the reason why, uh, uh, Signorelli, why, why, why is it that they only got partially delivered? I've been like rebuking people saying, yeah, that's not Isaiah's fault. You partially repented. Mm, so wow. you, it was a partial repentance wow. is a partial breakthrough. Mm -hmm. it's not, I have all power to cast out any demon. Mm -hmm. It's not the power of Christ isn't limited through me. It's uh, your repentance was limited, you, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. So what are some things that you guys see? Yeah, what that you just said, I want to speak to. Yeah, that's the beginning. And it just goes downhill from there. I could do a longer segment on this, but I think that makes the point. These guys legitimately go on to talk about how obedient they are. And, you know, and how, you know I mean, what a burden they have because of the calling that God has given their life. And, and in order to get there, they had to be super obedient to the voice of God. This is absolute rubbish. They care nothing about the people who are coming to them for help. And the sad bit is, is that the people who are coming to them for help are legitimately struggling with sin. And, um, and casting out demons and breaking generational curses is not the way we deal with sin. First and foremost, the people who are coming to them with these sin problems need to confess their sins to God and to hear that they are forgiven in Christ. They need to be comforted and assured that Jesus has bled and died for their sins. And then they need to be instructed in sound doctrine to pray to God, the Holy Spirit, and to pray to God daily to give them the strength 
to mortify their sinful flesh and begin the process of true Christian sanctification. What these guys are promising breakthrough is supposed to be some kind of supercharged Holy Spirit, you know, deliverance, whoo-hoo, kind of, you know, you know, punch to the face to the devil so that they can go from being sinful to being not sinful. That's not how it works. The daily life of a Christian is a grind, and it is a grind because we still have our sinful flesh. And these guys are absolutely heartless and ruthless. And they don't understand what true biblical repentance is at all. If they did, they would never say the things that they're saying. But you, you get the idea. There's more to it. And if you want to watch it, go ahead. Uh, like I said, they, they from here go on to talk about how obedient they are and stuff. But that, I think, just kind of nails the problem straight up. So if you found this uh, video to be helpful, all the information how you can share the video is down below in the description. And a quick shout out for everybody who supports us financially. Without your support, it, we, we wouldn't be able to bring Fighting for the Faith to you or to the world. And so again, heartfelt thank you for every one of you who sacrificially supports Fighting for the Faith. You make it possible for us to do what we are doing. If you would like to join our crew and, and support us uh, on a monthly basis you know, by a commitment of, of some money, then all the information on how you can join our crew is down below. There's a link that'll take you to our website. And again, thank you for everybody who supports us. So until next time, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.